With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. Very good evening. Two minutes after seven. Mark Watson with you. Telephone number on the program is 0800 150 The lines are open. That's 0800 150 Let's see if we can generate a little bit of discussion this hour. You can text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine on 8833. Now, Ben Francis is producing, which means that we have a music theme. And I'm going to just tell you what that theme is straight away. But Ben is going to um, provide some background to uh, to why some of these songs have or once at some point were banned. Okay, so these are songs that were really popular, but for some reason, some radio stations or some country banned them because of the hidden message, the lyrics, or possibly were misinterpreted for maybe being um, too political. And we're doing this because the big story last week, of course, was Delilah being banned from being sung at Carter Farms Park when the Welsh are playing rugby internationals, historically sung by their choir at halftime, because there are some lyrics in there that apparently upset people. We don't know who those people are, but apparently upset people. Uh, Ben, there's quite a long list of songs that at some point have actually been banned, and um, I, I, I'm struggling. The Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen. Why would you? Why would you ban the Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen, in 1977? Oh, mate, there's a. This is only a small portion of the list, but I guess different times for different ones. But essentially, God Save the Queen, uh, due to a bit of history going on and just the name Queen Elizabeth and all that, it's just reference to the Queen. What and is it? God save the Queen. It's a fascist regime. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of truth in some of it too. But it was one of, lots, lots of these are done by radio stations or stadiums, but well, so, so, some of these songs are kind of caught up in bigger lists, mm. but some of them, even though you think they're not even harmless at all, but they've just been caught up well, in... And things like that. Well, there were radio stations here not even too long ago who wanted to stop playing Michael Jackson songs because of all the innuendo that surrounded him in regards to um, mistreatment of of young people, if I can, best way of phrasing it. And yet I'm not sure he was ever found guilty in a court of law. Um, I'm not sure how long that lasted, but that was an example of media deciding, well, hey, We'll decide for you what we're going to play and what you can listen to, um, which comes back to that whole freedom of speech thing. There are very few songs now that have been banned. There's always been the records that have come out with a big warning on them. I remember Appetite for Destruction came out, huge, huge um, cautionary sticker on that album back in 1987, 1988. I think when the Marshall Mathers EP came out for Eminem, 
I mean, the lyrics are pretty, pretty explicit in it, but you have to understand the genre and you have to understand his target market. But they basically wanted that band as well. And then as society evolves, it's funny how people tend to sort of um, soften their opinions. And 10, 15, 20 years on, 30 years on, we look back and go, really, did they try and ban that? I can't believe they tried to ban that. Yeah, like Eminem showed up a couple of times and there were definitely lots of music from the hip-hop rap uh, genre which showed up on many lists. I did a lot of research. I started very early this morning. I was doing research in terms of songs that have been banned for one reason or another, but hey, lots of rock songs in there as well, he- heaps of songs. And you think you read some of the reasons for them and you think, really? Yeah, well, I mean, NWA, and I won't explain their full terminology, um, but it doesn't take a lock of rocket science what NWA stands for, but they, their album first came out and it was one very derogatory towards the police, if the police. And, you know, it caused a huge, huge discussion and rift in America in the early 1990s. But what you actually have to understand, these people were writing these songs based on their communities and their experiences. And I think 30 years on, maybe with some of the um, deaths at the hand of police, It almost justifies and almost endorses what these gangster groups were actually saying 30 years ago. We didn't want to admit it, but there was obviously clearly a lot of police abuse based on race amongst certain communities in America. And they were just simply trying to tell that story. George Floyd. we got other songs as well, like that I guess were kind of I don't want to say for that, but you got a guy like like the Hurricane song, for example, uh, which was kind of preaching for, you know, against the whole racism. Well, he wasn't guilty, was he? Oh, well, he was found guilty Yeah. at first, but it took a, took a while for that to be overturned. But uh, I guess this, this I guess some of the stuff in here kind of speaks to some of the, the power music has. You know, you think of a band like Rage Against Machine, which has mm. lots of songs that speak about police brutality as well and mm. seen as big hits. But, but it's like anything, isn't it? If you don't like a song and you find it offensive, don't listen to it or don't listen to the radio station that might hijack you someday when you're in the car and suddenly it comes on. And stop listening to the station. It's that simple. But don't stop other people from listening to it. Music is a way of telling a story. Often music is a way of getting a message across. It's almost a silent protest, if I can use the word silent. Um, uh, ironically, for a piece of music. Sorry, just going to steer, change the turn the ship a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just had a little bit of uh, breaking news come out, which will fit our target audience at the station. Now, uh, we've had another All Black confirm his move overseas past post-World Cup. Who's that? Aaron Smith has apparently committed to a long-term contract with uh, Toyota Club in Japan. It's funny, isn't it? Japan seems to be very much the destination now for All Blacks. Japan seems to be where the real real big money is. It's no longer the Northern Hemisphere. And you'd argue that Japanese rugby is probably benefiting from it, where there has been an argument in the past that too many foreign players in the English-French competitions means that those places which would normally be set aside for a young French player or a young English player, Welsh player, um, have been hijacked by hired guns and therefore potentially detrimental to those unions in the long term. 
but that's not the case with Japan. Look, good luck to Aaron Smith. At least he's going and he's going long term. He's not trying to say, hey, I'm going to go away. I want to miss some super rugby and then I want to continue to be an all black. He's a 100 test all black. He'll go down as one of the great halfbacks. He's been a good loyal servant to New Zealand rugby for a long time. And so, yeah, the last year that we're going to see Aaron Smith um, in the all blacks. And I guess keen to get your thoughts on that. 0800 Aaron Smith, how do you rank him? Where does he sit amongst the great halfbacks? He'd have to be right up there, wouldn't he? I think it's always hard to rank a player who is still playing at the highest level and is yet to move on. I think it's only generally, I mean, Richie McCaw, clearly, I think everybody knew even when he was playing that he was going to go down as arguably as our greatest and if not the world's greatest. Dan Carter, but they're the exception to the rule rather than the rule. But I think in Aaron Smith, 10, 15 years from now, I think people will romance him. I think people will talk about Aaron Smith when they're naming their greatest All Black 15 alongside of, look, people will even include Justin Marshall in there, I would imagine, particularly the Cantabrians. Might not have had the best path, had longevity, very good around the fringes. Um, And then you've got Dave Loveridge, um, Graham Bashup. There have been some very, very good All Black halfbacks. So that is the news that Aaron Smith will be taking a long-term professional contract in Japan post the Rugby World Cup. 0800 First topic of the night. Wasn't something got planned, but it's come out. Uh, but just going back to our songs, songs um, that have been banned, that you're aware that have been banned, you might want to do a little bit of Google search on them. Feel free to text them and we'll try and play them as long as, again, they're not too explicit because we still actually have standards in radio in this country and um, we don't want to hijack people who don't, you know, who are not comfortable with a whole lot of profanities. But we can certainly um, mention the song anyway if we don't necessarily play it or we might play some of it, taking the profanities out of it. Um, 0800 150 is the number. Uh, the other talking point that I want to mention is interesting, and this was covered off on SENZ, but Steve Borthwick the New England coach, he's been slammed for pointing the finger at former head coach Eddie Jones after England's shock loss to Scotland. They lost that game 29-23. He basically just said, well, I've just inherited a hell of a mess. Don't blame me. We lost to Scotland, but you don't understand. I was left with nothing. I mean, I've got to stay with Steve Borthwick. What a complete and utter dropkick, to be perfectly honest. Take responsibility, mate. It's your team. You didn't need to tell Owen Farrell just to kick every time he got the damn ball. I would have just said, look, this is the way we're going to play. We're going to play the 15-man game. But he went out and played the boy in England 10-man game and Scotland tipped them up. Have a bit of humility. You don't have to like Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones is doing it tough. Eddie Jones would feel embarrassed that he's been sacked as England coach, excited that he's been given the Australian job. But you don't need to go and put the boot into him. I mean, what does that actually say about Borthwick? Is he the right guy to coach England if that is a wee peek into his mindset, into his lack of professionalism. 0800 150811. Is he fear in saying that? Or is he part of the reason I just detest English rugby? He just typifies everything I hate about English rugby and that's generally just this arrogance that goes with them. This we're just a little bit better than you mentality. Occasionally justified, but very rarely. 
0800-150811 is the number. Uh, the other um, interesting thing, I see that Nick Cassidy, who's won the New Zealand Grand Prix or three or four occasions, um, the Motor Grand Prix here in New Zealand, might become the fourth New Zealand driver to race Indy cars. He will join Scott Dixon, Scotty McLaughlin, and Marcus Armstrong. Isn't that remarkable? What are we doing in this country, and why are we producing so many wonderful drivers? I mean, we're dominating the supercar space in Australia. We've got drivers... We've got drivers, you know, in the World Endurance cars, the Porsche series, the likes of El Bamba. We had Dylan Hartley winning Le Mans. Why is the sport not given more coverage in this country? Continue to give it to rugby league which just seems to have off-field issue after off-field issue and the Warriors are crap and six out of ten times the Kiwis let us down our cricketers get a lot of coverage yet a lot of the tests and games they play here are actually sort of meaningless netball is very much the women's point of view and I get that to a degree I think that is changing and then we've just got rugby, wall-to-wall rugby. And all we ever hear from the rugby players is about how long the season is and how much they need to get paid and how tough life is. You never hear it coming from these race car drivers. Yet you go to the Indianapolis 500 and there are 400,000 people at the brickyard watching that. Biggest motorsport event in the world and we could potentially have four New Zealanders. Do our media give motorsport enough coverage? Are you happy with the coverage our sports media give? And I'm talking probably more about the printed press, which is therefore online news outlets. You could potentially come and criticise this station and say, look, I don't think that number of your shows are broad enough. And hey, I'm asking for that too. I'm asking for that opinion. Um, 0800 150811. You can text us here on 8833 if you wish to phone the program. I see Kyrie Irving, one of the basketball's big names, an all-star, has been traded by the Brooklyn Nets, headed up by Sean Marks, the former New Zealand NBA at Rangitoto College. And he is off to the Dallas Mavericks. Brilliant player, but uh, how do you say it? In my opinion, a dickhead. And sports follow them, aren't they? What I call flawed geniuses. And we had this discussion a few weeks ago about those lists of flawed geniuses, those athletes that have all the talent in the world, but for whatever are just too cool for school. Blame everybody else for some of their failings. Everything has to be perfect. And there's a real sense of entitlement. That's how I very much see Kyrie Irving anyway. And we, you could throw guys like Nick Kyrgios in there that you know maybe is off-field off-court attitude or his personality prevents him from achieving his true potential and becoming an absolute great. But who are some of those other sports people that fall into that category, that fall into that Kyrie Irving category? 
0800-150-811 is the number. You can text us here on double eight double three. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. With regard to coverage of racing in New Zealand, I think um, they could do a lot more to expand coverage offshore. Like, for example, they do the New Zealand rally. And in New Zealand, that is very well supported. And I think if they put it over here on TV in Australia, it would get a lot more heads noticing how good rallying is because that's my favourite form of motorsport. And I did meet Possum Bourne when he was alive at the Sydney Motor Show. And he was a top-class act, top-class guy, loved his fans, and he was always great at rallying. And I think if it got more exposure over here, it would be more popular. And on the all-black front, I think the New Zealand rugby, who are a bunch of clowns at the best of times, they need to get their feet into the 21st century and stop being an old boys club mired in the 20th century, is that they need to get with the times and get Scott Robertson as coach of the All Blacks now. doesn't matter if they back in the current clown for the World Cup. They need to get Scott Robertson in now because he is a far better coach tactically. He's a far better coach with regard to having empathy and understanding with any players, both potential and current. And... I just think he's a better look, uh, period. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one on that all-black front, and it's something that we touched on yesterday and over the weekend. I mean, you know, the all-blacks are concerned about the workload. They believe that if our players don't rest a little bit, that could end up being detrimental. I will tell you what's more detrimental than our players playing too much rugby is Ian Foster just remaining as all-black coach. I'd rather have all That's of our... Right. I'd rather not have Ian Foster as coach and our all-blacks playing an entire thing of um, super rugby and take my chances with a different coach. And I think we've got a better chance of winning the World Cup if we adopt that model. However, Absolutely. Mark, a lot of people agree that they've looked and seen what Wales have done. They've looked and seen what Australia have done and what England have done in terms of getting rid of their coaches six, seven months out from the World Cup and going on and replacing them. Now, we had a chance to do it. I'm not convinced we'll get out of the quarterfinals of the World Cup. A lot of people don't believe we're going to win it. New Zealand rugby had a chance of minimising that risk. They haven't taken it. And if we do lose the World Cup, if we do go out in the quarterfinals, then I think it's only fair that Mark Robertson, the CEO, and the board cop as much heat as Ian Foster's going to cop and should resign and should get out of the rugby space. And also make sure, also make sure down. that they do put a bit of, you know, some support around Ian Foster because it's going to be a bloody ugly time. Oh yeah, the knives will be out, and then there's, uh, like there's no tomorrow. Mm. Hey, Mark, lovely to have you on the program. Do appreciate it, as always. Thank you. 20 minutes after 7. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. Spare lines if you do want to get through. You can phone us here on 8833. Another song that was banned at some point by a radio station, radio stations or countries for, at the time, maybe breaching broadcasting standards or being perhaps seen as overtly obscene. Delilah's been added to the list courtesy of the Welsh. You might have some memories of certain songs that might have been banned over the years or created some major controversy. 0800 150 is the number. Text come in from Vaughan. Rugby League, always get airtime. What a reason why it's the greatest game in the world. Oh, look, what I also about rugby league is, and this is, my, this is, I think, what rugby does lack. I'm not saying they need to have a whole lot of off-field scandals going on constantly. But it does a very good job of promoting its superstars. Its superstars play every week. The clubs have a great history. 
the coaches at times can be personalities and it's probably the closest thing we have to the English Premier League in terms of the multiple narratives. And in a funny kind of way, as I've said before, mankind is flawed. We like a scandal. We like reading about other people's failings. And I think rugby league provides that. And yes, it actually generates a lot of interest because of it, often because of the off-field drama, which then creates a story, which then drives people towards a certain game that weekend, because those that have created the story during the week or created the drama are then going to be on display. As I'll say, man's defeats are on the front pages of the newspapers, man's victories are on the back. Mankind is flawed. I think that sports that play up to our flaws often are more successful than those that try and moral police us or events that try and moral police us. Um, 0800 150 811 is the number. Uh, look, also reporting too, I think loosely, that Brodie Retallick's gone after the World Cup. I think Sam Whitelock would be gone after the World Cup. Um, we're going to have Artie Sevier heading off to Japan for uh, next year's Super Rugby. I think arguably for the first time in history, we're actually going to be really, really thin on the ground across a number of positions. Historically, it's never taken too long for an all-black team to bounce back. You might have a, an indifferent season, the changing of the guard, and it takes a little bit of time to get that next great all-black team. But I just don't see the talent out there at the moment, particularly in the forwards, to suggest that we can find a 1987-88 all-black team. We can find a 96 all-black team. We can find a... 2011-2015 great all-black side. And I actually blame Steve Chu and Steve Hansen for it. And probably previous boards under Steve Chu, who made all-black, made New Zealand rugby so top-heavy that we've actually eroded the tier below where we just simply don't have the depth anymore. Concussion also a big issue in that. I'd like to get your thoughts though. How much depth is out there? Look, there'll be a new wave of young talent that'll come through this year in Super Rugby. But it's about depth, and that's what New Zealand rugby's always had, and I'm just not sure it's there. I mean, we've got a pretty average all black team, in my opinion, at the moment. I think there are some great names on paper, but I'm not sure that they're playing as well as they once did, and I'm talking about Retallick and Whitelock particularly. We're certainly don't have depth in the front row. And I think that was highlighted last year. Or we do have depth, but we just simply have a net coaching. That might be more the problem. 0800 150 811 is the number. You can text us here on double eight double three. Lines are open, trying to just see if we can engage just a little bit of talkback, get some discussion going. Got this Indigenous game this weekend in Rotorua. Interesting that very good article that was written in Stuff Today, stuff.co.nz. And I will just... 
talking about the NRL basically neglecting New Zealand and how they've continued to do this. They didn't have an Indigenous game after the last Rugby League World Cup in 2018 because of the length of the season with the World Cup, but they've decided to have one this time. And more than coincidence that a number of the marquee players have pulled out of it or have been told by the coaches of their individual clubs not to play in it. You've got Joey Manu out, facial fracture. Jared Wairira Hargraves, back hamstring. Nelson Asofa Solomona, fitness. Dejan Azi, not sure why he's out. Stafford Toa, not sure why he's out. Dallin Watanezelazniak, hamstring. Dylan Walker, hip. Josh Adokar, fitness. Ezra Mam, playing in a Broncos trial. Chris Smith, unknown. Will Smith, unknown. Kennedy Cherrington, broken hand. Tamaka Upton, on the women's side. Caitlin Johnston, unknown. Talisha Harden, also unknown on the women's side. Not a good look, though, is it? Because there's a lot of virtue signalling goes on about the celebration of cultures within the NRL, but when it right comes down to it, they don't really, I believe, genuinely believe it. If they did, I think you'd have a lot more of the players just mentioned actually fronting up and would be encouraged more by their clubs to front up. Went down this path yesterday, but only 11,000 tickets sold. Not cheap, though. About 50 bucks a ticket to get into this game in Rotorua. I can never understand that. I always thought, just make it 10, 15 bucks. Make it reasonable. Get bums on seats. Charge the advertisers in the ground more money because you've got more people in the ground looking at the signage and looking at your trademarks, etc. But if you are going to watch this Indigenous All-Star game, why? And if you're not going, but you've got access or you live in that Rotorua region, why are you not going? Particularly if you're a hardcore rugby league fan. I actually think this game is actually played with genuine passion. I think it's played with genuine intent. I think both sides genuinely want to win it. It's not just an exhibition. I think it's more than a pre-season. Have we just got too much sport these days? Have we just got 24-7 access to everything? We've been to a lot of live sport. The novelty's worn off. And we've discovered other things in our lives that provide a high level of satisfaction that have a cost associated with them and we just simply want to experience new things. My point with the All-Star Game is I don't like the name of it because I go through the the list and yes, there are All-Stars there, but there are so many guys who have played just a handful of NRL games and for for it to still be called an All-Stars game when you have players like that and there just does not sit right with me. There's, there's, I remember going back a couple of years, there were guys who hadn't even played in the NRL that were playing in an NRL All-Stars game. That, mm. that does not, it's not what the definition of an All-Star is. No, an All-Star is the best of the best that fall within the definition of Māori or fall within the definition of Aborigine or having Aboriginal origins. Hi, Nick. There you go, mate. Yeah, good, thanks. I uh, going back to this coaching saga with 
Fozzie. I mean, he should have been done by the Island debacle, but it's not. I think we all know that Razor's going to be the coach. It's either out of Razor or Jamie Joseph. I can't see Jamie leaving his cushy job over here and his big money. I mean, and if it didn't go to Razor, what sort of what sort of message would that be sending to all New Zealand coaches? I mean, look at the record of the man. You know, six titles. You don't need to go overseas and be a professional coach. No, I, I think I think when they say he's got no international experience, I think they're just trying to find ways of justifying Ian Foster's um, uh, Ian Foster's appointment and Ian Foster's ongoing appointment. I agree with you completely. I'm not sure that you need necessarily need to have coaching experience overseas. And look, I just what I like about Scott Robertson is I just like the fact he is quirky. I like the fact that he's different. And we need to, you know, New Zealand rugby's always been about innovation. It's always been about evolution and being the first to do things. And maybe the evolution is just having a slight quirky, um, slightly different coach. But he'll be a very, very different voice to what we've had in the last 12, 13 years of Ian Foster and Steve Hansen. Oh, and, and going back to Graham Henry, when, it, need, it needs to change. I mean, it should have been done, you know, this last mm. year, but it hasn't been. I mean, Foster will know. He's, Foster will know now. I would imagine, surely they've said to him that you're not going to be the job next year. And that gives him a clean run this year, Win the Bledders low, win the Tri Nations. There's only two tests, isn't it? Mm. Win the two tests, and then he's got three big games. Mm. You know, so, I mean, I think we'll go close. We went too bad. I mean, last year, we come and right. I mean, with the introduction of, I mean, Plum Tree gone, you know, I mean, Plum Tree and War. I mean, it was, it was clowns, it was circus. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not convinced. I've seen enough from this All Black team to put three big performances back to back to win this World Cup. I mean, you're going to play four. You're going to play France first up. Then you're going to have a bit of an easy run through pool play. The danger there is mm. that you're going to rest and rotate. And the irony is, we actually need our players to be. You can't rest and rotate players all year. Get to the World Cup have them not having spent a lot of time together, hopefully trying to beat the French, knowing that if you don't beat the French, well, it just means you're either going to get Ireland or South Africa on the other side of the door. It's not easy, whatever you look at it. Then fall in and go, well, we can still rest these guys. I mean, at what point do you actually start playing your players? And the problem with these guys is we don't actually know that because none of them have actually played three tests in a row because every week we've rested and rotated in terms of trying to find some depth or try and find some answers in key positions. And this is the danger of when you put all your eggs in one basket over a four-year period. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, Retallick and Warlock haven't been going that great. But I mean, uh, we haven't got stock to replace them. So, you know, three good games. If we play, if we're on our ball, on our day, we'll beat anyone. Yeah, so, but, but I mean, I, I watched a bit of the Six Nations. I I didn't see a lot out of that this weekend. To be bothered, really, you know, pretty average rate. All right, but nothing. Yeah, nothing but, worrying. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think anybody saw anything worrying from the All Blacks last year either. I mean, we lost to Argentina. We should have lost to Australia if it wasn't due to a ridiculous refereeing decision. And we blew a big lead against yeah. England. We came up against Scotland. I think Scotland psychologically don't believe they can beat us, and I think that's the difference with them. And well, we know how average Wales are. So what have we really know? I mean, are we feared? I think you can genuinely fear Ireland. I think you can genuinely fear France, particularly in that part of the world. And I think Ireland are better oh, for the definitely. experience of having gone out in the quarterfinals in 2019 because they didn't handle the weight of expectation. I think they've learnt from that. 
Yeah, we'll be see. I mean, Blackadder, Blackadder back this year will be a massive yeah, yeah. inclusion. Ab- I mean, absolutely, uh, well, I mean, absolutely key, Blackadder, absolutely key. I never, ever thought I'd yeah. be saying that, but absolutely crucial to the All Blacks' yeah. chances this year. Yeah. yeah, massive loss last year. I mean, you know, just, yeah. No, it'll be, yeah. be timed. I mean, I'm, maybe Kane is captain today. We'll, we'll nah, see. nah, gone. I wouldn't have him anywhere near my All Black team. I wouldn't either, but, no. you know, yeah. You might take him off 10 minutes if you're defending your line and you might bring him on because he's a very good tackler, but there's no X factor about him. And in the positions of six and seven, if you look at the great all-black teams, you know, we've always had great first fives, but we've always had great loose forwards. Yeah, we have. And going back, you know, good on you. No, no, go on, what were you going to say? No, going back to Steve Hansen, you know, I just had a look at his record and um, when he's Wales, you know, most most overrated All Black coach ever. Well, look, I, I think he I think he did a good job between two eleven and two fifteen. He had wonderful cattle to work with. Um, oh, exactly. A little a, li- a little bit like a little bit like what John Hart inherited in ninety six with that you know off the back of the Laurie Mains Rugby World Cup, a great side. Um, but you know when you got past two fifteen and some of those players moved on, you just saw New Zealand rugby start to slide, and he started to adopt that judge me on the World Cup that was his get out of jail so I think he got away with a lot more because he convinced us that we were going to win three World Cups in a row but yet the writing was on the wall from basically the British and Irish Lions series onwards the first loss to Ireland number of losses to Australia and it was very much plotting down and we saw no evolution in the way he did things it was just Steve Hansen of 2000 and 12 was the same Steve Henson in 2019, and that is the danger of sometimes taking a coach too far. Hey, lovely to have you on the programme. Nick, Ben, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I did. I, to, I, the way I look at it is, if I'm Scott Robinson, of course you want, he's looking at the All Blacks job, but I'm also looking at the depth we've got, and I'm thinking Scott Robinson, I'm thinking everything I've touched has turned to gold. Mm. I'm looking at the depth chart for the All Blacks in 2024, and I'm thinking... Can I win the 2027 Rugby World Cup with a 32-year-old Damian McKenzie at first five and probably, if I had to pick a halfback, Finlay Christie? No. And I'm going, no. no. And I'm kind of, part of me is thinking that, if, let's say, for argument's sake, Razor gets the All Blacks job, he's going to be left with such awful scraps from all this backlog that he's probably not going to have an All Black team, which I would describe would be uh, as competitive for at least a couple of years. And then how are we going to be talking about Razor as the All Blacks coach? Are we going to say, oh, we should have kept Foster, we, sh- we should have well, done this, we should have done that? Well, hopefully guys like me will sort of remind people that he did inherit a crap team. But I don't think he'll come out and bag Ian Foster like Bothwick's done with uh, Eddie Jones. But yeah, look, I, it, I, the, future, I, the future doesn't look great. There's not a lot of playing depth. Whoever inherits this All Black job is going to inherit... Um, a time in New Zealand rugby where depth is probably going to be the lowest it's ever been. And the interesting thing about what I find with all this is, and I know it's not the best example to use, just be the current way of the test team, but the test team is getting a lot better, and that's Italy. And the big mm. reason for why Italy is getting better is because they're putting a lot more emphasis on their under-20s program, which the All Blacks have yeah. not been relevant in the under-20s game for such a long time, and it's now starting to show. Yeah, I would go but, as far to say that the but, golden generation is over. But that's the problem when you start broadcasting college rugby on TV, you start to notice and only start to take interest in certain schools. 
you then make sure that you erode club rugby. You haven't addressed the concussion issues properly. There's no looking and recognising late developers. And so in a small country, you reduce your talent pool even more. And then we wonder why we can't feature at an under-20 level. Interesting discussion. 0800 150 is the number. Spare lines if you do want to get through. Talk back, better experience if you jump on the phone. Love to hear from you. Give us your thoughts. You don't have to agree with us. Contrary to popular belief, I'm actually a nice guy. You can text us here on 8833. Hard to believe Abba's Waterloo was banned. Banned by the BBC. Now, this was during the Gulf War. The BBC weren't taking any chances and expunged 67 songs featuring even the vaguest and most metaphorical references to armies, fighting, boats, killing, cavalry or the Middle East from its playlist. Among them, Abba's notoriously, notoriously hawkish hit Waterloo. Unbelievable that you somehow think that that is going to unsettle the public, overwhelm with them emotion in an incredibly difficult time. I would have thought the opposite. When are people going to realise most people don't read the lyrics or listen to the lyrics of a song or really go too deep into them? They just like the catchy tune that it is, like Delilah. Hey, I'm just reading too that they're talking about um, Aaron Smith and they've also said Bowden Barrett's going to Japan. But the New Zealand Rugby Union, and I want to have a chat on this after eight, can you get some thoughts? And f- feel free to phone through. But the New Zealand Rugby is still trying to do everything they can to get Bowden Barrett back to New Zealand rugby on 2024. Why? Why? Why are we going to go and waste excessive amounts of money on a guy who clearly doesn't want to play here anymore? He's not even that good anymore. We don't even know where he plays. Is he first 5'8"? Is he a fullback? When was the last time Bowden Barrett ripped an international side apart? Move on, man. Spend your money on keeping our top coaches here rather than just trying to keep our top players here. The greatest threat to New Zealand rugby is our intellectual property going overseas. We've already seen the impact of it. Look at Ireland. Look at Scotland. Don't look at their current coaches. Look at the previous coaches who's put the platforms in place. Who thinks we should go all out to keep Bowden Barrett here? Let him go to Japan for a year and then bring him back. Really? You've got young players like Fergus Burke down there in Canterbury coming through. Stephen Perifetta. There'll be other first fives that'll step up. You've got Love, the fullback for the Hurricanes. What is wrong with New Zealand rugby? And the game's bankrupt in every other area, but we'll throw all this money to try and get Bowden back. Experience is only a supplement for talent, not a substitute man. 11 minutes away from eight. Songs we're playing are songs that were once um, banned. And I'm going to give you the reason why this particular song I want to break free was banned. I'll give you the reason for that after 8 o'clock. You might have some songs that you want to send through. Uh, Look, uh, we started the program talking about Steve Borthwick, the New England coach. And rather than just accepting and taking some responsibility for the 29-23 loss to Scotland, he's basically gone and dumped it purely on Eddie Jones and that he's inherited a crap team. Um, And someone's just texted earlier and I forgot to read this out. Mate. This is standard government tactic. Blame the last government for failures. Yeah, that's right. You often do see it, don't you? Well, you know, we inherited it. And then when they do well, it's not, you know, in that first year, it's got nothing to do with the policy that wasn't put in place by the previous administration. They've just miraculously turned things around. And that is very much politics, is it? But we're Borthwick, you know. So he's come out, he's bagged Eddie Jones, but he's made Owen Farrell as captain. 
Now, there's a lot of discussion whether Owen Farrell's the best first five in England. Kicks a lot. Can't tackle, always goes high. And yet we yet to believe that Borthwick apparently is going to have all the answers. That he's this great visionary and he's going to turn things around. How long do you give a new coach? I think if Scott Robertson comes in as all-black coach, I think genuinely when you look at the lack of depth in New Zealand rugby, I think we can be a little bit lenient. I don't think, though, you're allowed to be lenient and use that same methodology for Ian Foster because they think, along with Steve Hanson, along with Steve Chu, in my opinion, were part of the reason why we don't have the depth because of everything being so top-heavy and because we allowed a lot of our top coaches to head off overseas. You've got to have good coaching to have good players. Anyway, coming up after 8 o'clock, we'll continue the discussion. I'd love to hear from you on the programme, 0800 150811, and you can text us here on 8833. 8 o'clock, you're listening to SENZ, one of the great New Zealand songs, Six Months in a Leaky Boat. Our theme tonight is music that has been at some point banned by different radio stations, different broadcasters around the world. And believe it or not, this particular song found themselves on the receiving end of a BBC ban for this hit track as the song was mistakenly believed to be about the Falklands War and thus deemed too provocative. Dear oh dear oh dear. And now we have Delilah. At what point does woke New Zealand rugby decide to jump on this and start listening intently to the lyrics of famous songs that are regularly played at rugby games and go, ooh, can't play that, that might offend somebody. It's probably not too far away because that's just how things seem to work in this particular country. Actually, got a great, um, I got sent uh, quite a, I love this definition of woke, actually. I do love this definition of woke. I'm just trying to find it. I got sent it. A woke, woke, a state of awareness only achieved by those dumb enough to find injustice in everything except their own behaviour. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Got a problem with everybody else, but they're perfect. Love to moral police everybody. Anyway, telephone number is 0800 150 The big story, that's not a big story, I guess it's expected, is that we are going to see a couple of our marquee and established All Blacks take up contracts in Japan. Aaron Smith is going for the long term. His All Black career will be over come the Rugby World Cup, after the Rugby World Cup. Bowden Barrett's also going to go to Japan. Both, I think, have signed with Toyota in Tokyo. But New Zealand Rugby are still working with Bowden Barrett to try and get him back here after 2024. Why? Why? Why are we going to go out of our way to get Bowden Barrett back? He's past his use-by date. He's not the player that he once was. He can't hold down a regular position. We don't know whether he's a first 5'8 or a fullback. You've got guys got Ruben Love coming through. You've got Fergus Burke out of the Crusaders. Um, you've got Stephen Perifetta for the Blues. And you'll have some other young first five starting to establish themselves. You know, we do nothing to keep our top coaches here and we just let all of our intellectual property disappear overseas and then we wonder why suddenly the Northern Hemisphere are beating us, starting to play the 15-man game, starting to bring innovation that they've never shown in their life previously or shown in their history previously. Why do we continue to do this? Why would we go and try and spend an extra million dollars a year to keep Bowden Barrett when you've got club rugby struggling, you've got facilities around the countries at clubs being derelict? Most rugby unions can't even stay solvent, are struggling to even keep their head above board. Oh, no, but we'll keep Bowden Barrett here. Because look how many Instagram followers he's got. Look how big his presence is on social media. 
and he's part of the all-black brand. He doesn't want to be here. That's why he's going to Japan. Let him go. Excuse the language, but I only want people who are literally, and it used to be an old saying, I don't know why people are not aware of it. There's an old saying, you piss blood for the jersey. He doesn't want to do that anymore. At least Darren Smith has said, I'm done. Brody Retallick's going to go, you would imagine. You would imagine that Sam Whitelock's gone. I tell you what, we're going to go through a really tough time over in here. It's the all-black coaching job because there's not a lot of depth behind some of those players. Do you want to see New Zealand rugby spend all this money on Bowden Barrett? Do you still believe he's got something to offer New Zealand rugby genuinely on 2024? That we've got such little faith in our development coming through that we need to rely on it? 0800 150811 is the number. Hi, Graham. Oh, hi, Wado. How are you Good, tonight? thanks. Good, good, good. Yeah, you're on fire. Yeah, I'd like to call before that, uh, the other guy before the news about Ethan Blackadder. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of his as well. Um, outstanding player. It's good to see him back in the, um, with the Crusaders. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, look, he, he, he really surprised me, to be honest. He, that guy just, I didn't think he was capable of what he showed in that first season with the All Blacks. And, yeah, look, he's as good as any number six I've seen in recent times. Yeah, he's tough, very tough. But he, he's got go yeah. forward. He's got mongrel. You know, you can see oh, it yeah. in him. Oh, he's well. a competitor. Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't stop. You know, <laughs> I've seen him. You know, and he um just can he I just can keeps I can I, can I can I joke as as a staunch Blues fan who hates Crusaders that perhaps he got his talent from his mum. <laughs> no, I won't. No, I, I don't. Don't bite, I, I don't laugh, bite Graham. Don't bite. Back. Oh, I know, I know, I say. No, no, he gets, he gets that hardness and, and, and never say die attitude from Todd Black out of it. Of course he does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever you say about Todd, he, um, you know, he, uh, he was one of those guys that um, gave it all on. He, he pissed blood for the Crusaders jersey. Mm, mm. Um, and he epitom- uh, you know, epitomised a lot of the rise of rugby here when we went through quite a bad time in the late 80s and early 90s. But, yeah, no, good... Good effort, though, on your part, the joke. But, um, yeah, no, what's the first? Bowden Barrett. Yeah, of course I agree, you know, 100%. You know, um, I, I'm just, I'm actually surprised that they have put that out. I mean, I shouldn't be, but I, um, they never cease to to amaze me, really. And those names you mentioned, you know, Ruben Love played great for Wellington and, and the Hurricanes. He gets moved around a bit and he played for New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand Maori against the Irish played very well. And I think Fergus Burke... Um, you know, he got last year. He took a big step up. He got about five starts for the Crusaders, and had a great season with Canterbury. And then he got Pierre Fetter. He doesn't well, just didn't get enough game time, and was just treated ridiculously by the All Blacks. Um, yeah, and there's always someone else, you know. And Scott Robertson, if he hypothetically got the job, you know, he is very, you know, being a good selector is is a big part of being a great coach. Or a great coach is usually a great selector. You know, going back to when you read about Fred Allen, they knew when players were finished or how to motivate them. And, they, you know, you just don't... That, that People forget that. It's not just about, you know, as you say, PowerPoint presentations, as you often no, say. No, look, my only reservation I've got about Scott Robertson, and, 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 and look, this is coming from somebody outside of Crusaders region, um, and, and with Jason Ryan, that it doesn't become... To folk to Crusader Central. I mean, you can have a team that wins. That doesn't necessarily mean they've got the best players in every position. That just means they've got the best average across all positions. And so I guess that would be the only concern I have about Scott Robertson because there was a time back when, uh, you know, back in, what was it, in the 
2004, 2005 when the Crusaders were the dominant team. And I think there was 14 Crusaders who took the field one day. And it didn't actually, that didn't equate to being a good all-black team. Um, it was a good side and it was a good super rugby side. And so that, that would be my only hesitation from somebody who maybe has um, maybe never really recovered from the likes of Laurie Maines and his perhaps his bias towards um, Otago players at the time when he brought guys like Jamie Joseph in at the expense of Zinzan Brook, etc. Oh, well, you know, that's that's a fair point. Coaches do bring in players, you know, and, and depending on which side of the country, they get a hard time from the ones, you know, on the opposite end. If they, yeah. You know, I know I remember those debates in the early 90s you know, Otago was sort of Otago in Auckland, and uh, Laurie Mate sort of shifted from Canterbury, Auckland to Otago in Auckland there for a while. Um, you know, with Mains after he took over from Alex Wiley. You know, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just think he, you know, I think he's got a pretty broad view of players, and um, you know, I just, yeah, I, I mean, people can have their reservations, but oh, I think oh, they've really got, they've really got, they've really got to take a plunge. Oh, oh, yeah, eventually. Look. Every all black, every all black coach has always had those players, their go to players. You know, we've we've got it at the moment, um, haven't we? With um, Sam Kane, let's not kid ourselves. Um, well, every every yeah. coach has had. And what, what I will say, like I've been hard on Steve Hansen, but what I will say it during the Hansen era, you did actually have diversity from right around the country. It was very hard to accuse him ever of having a bias towards any one particular province. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, no, and I I think he. Um, you know, at his best, you know, he, he did. And, I, you know, I think unfortunately for Wayne Smith, or Wayne Smith was the type of person to take the praise, but, you know, I think he did a, he did a lot for that whole outfit. And, you know, and Foster's mm. taken the job, and mm. part of the reason why, you know, Kane, Kane was brought in as captain was Steve Hansen. Um, you know, I know that for a fact. And, you know, but that's by the by now, but they, they've got to look, they've got to, like the previous callers said before the um, 8 o'clock news, they've got to... Um, now move forward, and I think Raze is the best man. But you know, just just trying to keep Barrett here, leaving aside the coaching debate. I mean, that is just that is just downright silly. You know, when yes, we are losing a lot of players, but you don't just try and hold one. If we're so desperate, we're going to try and keep Bodie here well, because we're losing blah blah blah. We're losing you know these four other guys. You know, the ones you've been talking about. You just it's just silly. Well, I'll quote what he's come out and said in the media, Bowden Barrett. My agent Warren Alcock is in communication and negotiation with New Zealand Rugby. The Blues and Toyota about my future beyond the Japan one twenty twenty four season. I want to give myself time to ensure I make the right decision, and once again clarity on that I will be able to give an update on what my future looks like well if you're hesitating on what that all black jersey means to you I think the answer's already been there I mean if you still don't have the desire for the all black jersey that you had prior to making the all blacks go now it goes on to say blue CEO Andrew Hoare said we have loved having Bowden at the Blues since his move north he has signalled the door is still open for a return to rugby here in New Zealand and would absolutely welcome him Hannah and the kids back to the Blues far now in the future or something Smith and Barrett will play for the Highland, uh, Smith and Barrett will play for the Highlanders and Blues respectively in the Super Rugby Pacific this season. I mean, I just, it just, yeah. The only people that benefit out of all of this crap are the players, mate. You know, rugby's just going down the gurgling. It's just the players getting rich, mate. Feed the rich, bury the poor. Yeah, well, in some yeah, well, they are well remunerated, but you know, I, that, but that's yeah, but I, we've got it. It's that's his, you know, as you say, Aaron Smith made the call, he's going overseas, and Brodie Retallick, 
the same. Richie Malong is going for three years, so he's so that's three years he's going for. He's not he's not trying to um, say oh, and you know, and there's others too. Like Sam Whitelock will just he's you know I know he's got you know business interests and you know he'll just he'll do very very well outside of rugby because he's you know um, got you know education and, and farming background and that you know. But but you know with Bowden, I think you know he's. <laughs> He's been put on a bit of a pedestal since he moved to the Blues, and I, and I don't mean this is a dig about the Blues, but they they've actually got players in Auckland. Oh, you know, I don't, well, I just know. To like, Stephen Perifeta, they have got players there yeah, yeah. that would step up and play yeah. in that ten position. For well, the I agree. I think the Blues were better when Perifeta was playing at ten, and that's part of the reason he did get picked for the All Blacks. Uh, Graham, lovely to have you on the program. Really nice way to kick the hour off. I, I love your passion. You always make such good sense and you just know your rugby but Bowden Barrett I mean you're not going to put him down as one of the all time greats are you Aaron Smith is going to go down as an all black great Brody Retallick Sam Whitelock are going to go down as all black greats but I don't put Bowden Barrett alongside of Andrew Mertens Grant Fox Dan Carter because I think he's been too much of a bit part player he's already had a sabbatical hasn't he Bowden Barrett didn't he go overseas for a year he did didn't he and now we're going on another one, and we're going to bring him back again. Yeah, and, and all you end up doing is stop some other young player developing. You know, build towards the future. Stop wasting money. Another text that's coming, which I'll get to, because it's regarding Roger Tuivasa Sheik, and I do want to comment on it. Uh, but Ben, I was very talking about the sabbaticals. I just popped into my head. Imagine, imagine LeBron James just going. You know what? I'm going to take a year off the NBA. I want to come play for the New Zealand Breakers in the NBA. I'm going to take a sabbatical. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, yeah. It's well, you, yeah. I mean, look. He's. I get Bowden Barrett. He's just playing within the rules that New Zealand and the scope that New Zealand rugby are providing them. But New Zealand rugby have got to be firmer. It's interesting, isn't it? If you go overseas, we won't pick you. But yet, if you go overseas and come back and we've given you permission, we will pick you. It just makes no sense to me. I, I, it'd be different if he was 22 years of age, maybe, and he had a big future ahead of him, and he just felt he needed to go somewhere just to put the icing on his cake, just to fill in the little missing piece in his game. But he's passed his best. When was the last time Bowden Barrett played brilliantly? He's hit and miss. He cannot, cannot deliver a tactical game. You know, it's one of Steve Hansen's criticism. He, he might have joked about it. He said, you'd have a game plan, and then Bowden Barrett would just go out and do his own thing. 0800 on this one, if you do want to have your say. Uh, John texted earlier, he goes, Hi, Mark, talking about wasting money, how much did New Zealand rugby waste on Roger Tuivasa-Sheik? They brought him in and gave him an all-black jersey in a position that he's nowhere near good enough. What a complete waste of money that experiment was. Yeah, I agree. Look, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik should never have been picked for the all-blacks. Hell of a rugby league player. And I said this with Smithy, and I think they put it up online. I said this, I was actually very lucky to do the first two years of College First 15 rugby on Sky, um, when I think it was done for the right reasons. I don't agree with it now, having First 15 rugby on Sky, but that's a different discussion. And I think I did the first ever interview with him. He was captain of Atahuhu. He was very, very shy, but we had to do a pre-game interview, and I basically talked him through it. But I watched this kid play, and I knew nothing about him, and he had the best sidestep I've ever seen. Christian Cullen-like and Tanarumanga combined. Brilliant. And I said that to Keith Quinn in commentary. I said, Keith, best sidestep I've seen. Unbelievable. And he went on and he played for schoolboys that year and played in a very good New Zealand secondary school side, which had Bryn Hall, TJ Perinara, 
uh, Tuangavasi, I think it had, um, what's his name? Nani Laumapi was at second 5-8. It was a hell of a side anyway. And he was a good footballer, but he went to league. He's put a lot of bulk on, which you have to in rugby league. He's muscled up a lot. He's lost a yard of pace. He's never had the kicking game, and he's not a great tackler. So where do you put him in a game of rugby? You've got to be good under the high ball these days if you're on the wing. You've got to have that explosive ability over the first 10 metres. You can't play him at fullback. In second 5A, you've got to be a hell of a defender because they run straight down that channel, don't they? And he gets targeted. And so John's right. How much money have we wasted on Roger Tuivasa-Shek? How can guys like Roger Tuivasa-Shek get picked for the All Blacks and then you can see guys like James Lowe who are forced to go overseas because they can't make the All Blacks? You see... Boshia, the loose forward, not get picked for the All Blacks when everybody felt he should get in. They provide a rationale while they're not good enough. Yet they don't, they're not consistent. The reasons they give for one player not being good enough, they don't apply to others. And I think that's the case with Roger Tuivasa-Shek. You know, Roger Tuivasa-Shek for the Blues, I want to see him on the wing because I think that's the last chance saloon for him. It's not a second 5-8. If he's going to be in the All Blacks, if he's going to make his mark, it needs to be out on the wing. Still got a hell of a sidestep. He's like Christian Cullen, and you talk to players, you know it's coming, but you still don't know how to stop it. 0800-150-811 is the number. Jump on the phones, give us a call, make your talk back debut. You might enjoy the experience. Tell us what you think. I've told you what I think. We'll take a break. Okay, our theme here on SENZ tonight. By the way, we've got our dart show, uh, The Oki, with... Oh, I've forgotten your <laughs> Ah, dear, oh dear, oh dear. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what's my producer's name? What's Ben's name? I had a split second there where I forgot your name, Ben. Don't worry, I forgot my wife's name once. Only once. Was that today? <laughs> no, wedding anniversary today. Actually, funny, our 14th wedding anniversary, I haven't seen her all day because I got home late last night because of the orange cone and the traffic detours, which is very much Auckland. By the way, I'm running a referendum, new flag. Dark blue background, orange cone pothole. Yep. New flag for New Zealand. We had the debate a long time ago under John Key. Is that appropriate? I think that's appropriate. I think I'm we, on board. I think we could get Ewe to come in and maybe, I don't know, maybe do something with the cone, give it a little bit more of a, yeah, I give it a little bit more of a mouldy feel. Can't put the silver fern on there. Why is that? Trademark. Oh, is it? That's right. Because remember, Ezra Adesanya wanted the silver fern on some of his attire and he's on the rugby said, nah. Mm. Anyway, um, what were we talking about, Ben? You were talking about our, our, our uh, theme for oh, theme tonight because so, we yeah. had Space Oddity there by... So, so we decided that we wanted to do this theme. So Ben does a theme every night with the music and last week clearly Delilah was banned from... Principality Stadium, which is formerly Carter Farms Park in Wales. Well, banned to the point that the choir, who traditionally sing songs at half-time over there as part of their sort of entertainment, one of the great traditions, have decided that it no longer can sing it because apparently it's offensive. It has a line in it which talks about a woman being stabbed. Now, most people go, hang on a minute, I've never really thought about that. That's right, because most people don't. So we've run a list tonight of songs 
that have been banned at some point. Some of them are incredibly well known, and you think, really, was that banned? So earlier, we had I Want to Break Free from Queen. The video was banned in the US with members dressing in drag. Okay? So that was banned because of the, what is it, the, yeah, drag connotations, the LGBTQ connotations, which clearly weren't acceptable in the United States at the time. Now, we've just played Space Oddity, Major Tom there. Um, Space Oddity was released just before Apollo 11 lifted off, but the BBC refused to play it until the astronauts had landed safely back on Earth due to the lyric talking about Major Tom floating away. Boy, the BBC, very, um, very awoke, weren't they? And very um, prudish. What's the matter? What's the matter, Ben? It's <laughs> just choking. Oh, you're just choking. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious, isn't it? Oh, it's ridiculous. But it's still going on. It's still going on. We're still getting told what we can say and what we can't say. Anyway, um, we've got a whole lot of other songs that we're going to play. You might have some thoughts on it. You can text them here on 8833. But look, we've just been having a bit of a discussion, a few things that I have brought up tonight and just kind of get a little bit of talk back. Um, The big news is that Aaron Smith, who's decided that his time in the All Black jersey is up and he's going to go and take a long-term contract in Japan. Japan seems very much the default setting now for All Blacks. It seems to be where the real big money is. And it appears to be benefiting Japanese rugby. Um, There'll probably be a point where they won't want to have too many foreigners because they'll still want to develop their own talent. And it's trying to get that balance right. But also, Bowden Barrett's going. But New Zealand rugby and Bowden Barrett's still not quite sure and trying to negotiate a possible return to New Zealand rugby after another season in Japan. He's already gone on one sabbatical. In my opinion, New Zealand rugby and the Blues shouldn't be wasting any more money on this guy beyond 224. This is his last season, so be it. Let him go. He clearly doesn't want to be here. I I would have thought being an All Black is a pretty quick decision for most young aspiring rugby players, for most people in this country. I want to be an All Black. Real simple. If you've got to think about it, your time is up. I just think that money could be better spent elsewhere. Keep our coaches here. Spend more money on coach development. Spend more money on trying to maintain a high club rugby structure in Auckland and some of the other bigger centres where more and more clubs are amalgamating because there's simply not the numbers anymore. Your thoughts? Bowden Barrett, do you want to see him stay here in New Zealand rugby fork out to keep him here and incentivise him to stay here beyond 224 after another stint away? 800 And does Bowden Barrett go down as an all-black great? Scored a try in a World Cup. Mind you, so did Nihi Milne Scudder. I don't think he does. I think he goes down as a good player. I think he goes down as a player who I think has been messed around a lot by different coaches over the years. Fullback, first 5-8. And never really settling in any one position. But what, isn't that just down to Bowden Barrett as a player? Because he was getting opportunities... Or when he first started in the All Blacks, he was that utility player off the bench. And then he was given the opportunities at a first five, but was never consistent enough. So then he, they kind of put him at fullback, but he never wanted to be a fullback. So then they always were trying to find a way to put him at first five. So it's partly his doing as well. Yeah, I agree. And that all factors into why I don't think he goes down as an All Black great. I think he goes down as one hell of a player. 
but I wouldn't put him in the Dan Carter, Andrew Mertens, Grant Fox mould at all. I certainly wouldn't put him in the Ben Smith, Christian Cullen, um, John Gallagher uh, fullback group of greats. I, I guess it comes down to, because you, you touched on the try there, and I think if you ask most people, what will you remember Bowden Barrett most by, it is going to be that try. In the last minutes. Which was... The very last minute of that final in 2.15. Eight years ago now. Yeah, which with Ben Smith, they broke out, didn't they? Hell of a try. Great player. I mean, you know, there were some moments too where he... There was a bleeded slow cup match against the Wallabies, I think, in Dunedin a few years back, and... He broke it open when we looked like we were about to be defeated. But you ask yourself, well, hang on a minute, though. Why were we about to be defeated? He's the first five at the time. Yes, he ends up scoring the winning try. But was he also a part of the reason why we were in trouble in the first place? And that's what sometimes people forget, isn't it? Anyway, 0800 150 is the number. Um, Steve Borthwick, New England coach, he's come out and he's had a real crack at Eddie Jones, blaming Eddie Jones for... England's loss on the weekend, even though Eddie Jones was in Australia getting ready to coach the Wallabies. Um, Borthwick, not great, not smart. Take it on the chin. You don't need to come out and relitigate how bad a coach Eddie Jones was. Remember, he got England through to a World Cup final and England beat not a bad all-black team in the semi-finals of that World Cup. Borthwick's yet to do that. You know, come out and say, look, I just need more time with the team. Well done, Scotland. The performance today wasn't good enough. But you don't need to do what governments do and blame, blame previous administrations for shortcomings in the here and the now. I mean, I hate English rugby, and this just makes me hate English rugby even more. I'm not a big fan of Eddie Jones, but Eddie Jones endears himself to me because he's got some personality. He's the rogue. He's the guy we all love to hate. Borthwick just reeks of typical English rugby aristocracy and arrogance. Is that what you want to hear? Look, to be honest, it, 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 I, I don't like it with Ian Foster when he says, oh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of positives to come out of it. No, there's no positives when the All Blacks lose. None. None. No positives whatsoever when the All Blacks lose. You know, when Ian Foster says, oh, look, you know, we're building nicely to the World Cup, like, hey, it's okay to lose because, you know, we're building towards something. No one's seen any real momentum with this all-black team, have they? I mean, it's just rhetoric. I, I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again, and I want to get your thoughts on 0800 150 I mean, surely the only currency when it comes to elite-level sport, whether it be a rugby test, football international, is winning or losing. Football, clearly, you've got the opportunity of a draw, but you know what I mean. It's about winning, isn't it? That's all the fans are interested in is winning. No, we're not interested in We'll take the positives out of it. History doesn't remember the positives. What were the positives that came out of the 95 Rugby World Cup final when we lost that? What were the positives? No. What were the, tell me some positives that ever came out of the All Blacks losing. I, I, I want to know. Tell me. Apparently we're supposed to remember them. 0800-150811 is the number. Um... And just sort of going down the path of last night, why is it, what is it about rugby, rugby league and team sports where you just get so many off-field incidents happening, say in comparison to individual sports? Why is there a booze culture? Why is it that players within a team don't know what time to go to bed and 
when enough is enough? And why has it never really been addressed at administration and a coaching level? How much work when we're deciding who's going to make the Warriors, how much due diligence is done in terms of understanding their personalities and what these people do in their private lives before we actually sign? Do they like to party? Do they like to go to nightclubs? Or do coaches brought into all this rhetoric and BS that, oh, no, but we've got to let the players be normal at times. We've got to let them have their little release valve, you know. Uh, the pressures are too great otherwise. Is, is that is that the reason why it continues to go on NRL? Is that PowerPoint presentation BS part of the reason why week in, week out, we seem to have rugby players and rugby league players and previously cricketers, etc., never learning from the previous week's mistakes and the previous month's mistakes when other players have done dumb things. 0800 150811 is the number. Take it anymore. My, my. Anyway, songs. I mean, aren't the Welsh Rugby Union morons? Aren't they? Aren't they? Getting one of one of the great songs because a couple of people get upset. Who are those people that are upset? You sit there in a room and you're doing a public speech or telling a joke. Are you allowed to upset one of them? Two of them? Ten of them? What's the limit? Before you get banned. And that's the problem with all of this stuff, isn't it? And that's why you can't actually start moral policing people. As I've said every night on this show, what offends you might not offend me. I could tell you a joke, you could find it offensive. Other people might not. You could tell me a joke and I could find it offensive. But sometimes you go, hang on a minute, you told it because you meant it as a joke and therefore there was no serious intent in what you were saying. And so it's about interpretation. Anyway, the lines are open. 0800-150811 is the number. Uh, keen to get your thoughts. I see Kyrie Irving. Uh, one of the NBA big names, a flawed genius, has left the Brooklyn Nets and has gone to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, never really happy in Brooklyn, but I'm not sure he's a guy that'll be happy anywhere. He seems to be one of these guys that's going to blame everybody else for his own failings. But it brings up that other little chestnut which we've done a bit before here, and that is flawed geniuses people that have never fulfilled their potential because of their personalities or the way they conduct themselves off the court or the fact that they just uh, don't know how to make a mental shift and understand, as I say, that professionalism is more than a paycheck, it's more than being a full-time athlete, it's actually a state of mind. And we've had a lot of flawed geniuses over the years, haven't we? You've got Nick Kyrgios at the moment. I like him because I think he brings some personality to tennis and I like, as I said, I like, I like mankind to represent itself the way we are, which is flawed rather than people putting on a bit of an act or trying to be perfect, believing that everybody's perfect. There's been probably some very, very good rugby players over the years. There's probably been some very, very good rugby players over the years that have not quite fulfilled their potential because of maybe off-field issues. And I wonder at the moment, Akirawani might fall into that category. Maybe just a little bit too cool for school. 
maybe I'm being a bit too harsh, but I don't think he's a player who's filled his potential. And you have to decide. And you sometimes have to make some serious change to do that. For others, it just comes naturally, and they do end up becoming greats. So you might want to text us with three of those names of those so-called floor geniuses that might sit alongside the likes of a Kyrie Irving. Basketball fans, full stop. I'm not sure. Is we a young enough audience to really target the NBA market here, Ben? So, what do you mean? Well, I mean, basketball, it's, it seems very... Um, in terms of the really NBA fan, it seems to be sort of more... My son, at, mind you, my son at nine seems to know the NBA players. But it seems to be... I don't know, a little bit more of a teenage to sort of maybe up to the age of 30 where you're really, really passionate about the NBA. Yeah, I'm not sure well, we're quite in that audience, are we? We seem to be a slightly older audience. Well, I think I think the interest is out there. Yeah. Um, but because I, I think, you know, you probably get people who may be in that older demographic who did, you know, watch it when it was on probably on delayed coverage in the 80s and the 90s, early 90s at least anyway, when you probably had the likes of Bird and... Johnson running around the court and mm. a few other names like that. Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley, yeah, yeah. Drazi and Petrovic. Yeah, and you also had the um, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, all of those. And, yeah, and the mailman. Mm. Oh, look, I, I say what NBA do brilliantly, don't they? they? They just know how to market their stars. They just know how to market their teams, but within that, market their stars, and then within that, have their global stars. And they're very good at creating a star almost for every demographic. So if you're slightly nerdy and you're slightly technical, you can find that player that sort of fits that mould. If you're a little bit more gangster, a little bit more of the rebel, there's that player that can fit that mould. If you're more about just pure athleticism, there's that player that can fit that mould. You like a bit of attitude, there is. You got, you know, you look at the different personalities. You had the Michael Jordans, and then you had the Steve Kerr's, and then you had the Dennis Rodmans, um, and then you had your Petrovic, who unfortunately died in a car accident, and then you had um, Bill Lambier, who was just a thug. Now, in the space there of about five names, you reached all of Europe. You got the guy who liked a little bit of thuggery, who liked the little rogue element. You had the pure class of Michael Jordan. You had the Steve Kerr, the quiet guy that you probably thought would never have made it but did because he was so technical as a three-point shooter. That's what New Zealand rugby doesn't do. That's what we don't do. That's what our provincial unions don't do because they're never here long enough or playing consistently enough or allowed to express themselves in interviews to create the persona to allow us to determine what their brand is and whether that brand fit fits our personalities and what we like in people and what we like in sport. What NBA player category does what Mark Watson like? Oh, look, I, I always like that. I, I mean, I, I, I'm a history guy. like So I do like nostalgia. I do like to see guys break records. Um, but I do like the rogue element. I like colour, man. I like the Rodmans. Um, I like what's-his-name, um, who used to have the corn rolls. Um, Alan Iverson Yeah, Alan Iverson I saw Alan Iverson play a few times when I was in Toronto actually but I like the Alan Iversons I like those guys with a little bit of an edge but I also like the innovators but yeah I, I admired Steve Kerr so I'm, yeah I'm probably broad enough to see the appeal in a lot of different players but because I, I like the, and the the easiest way to compare it to the, the, the current players is I like the Stephen Adams kind of player mm. 
someone texting in Jesse Ryder, flawed genius. Yeah, he, he could fall into that. I, I did a celebrity boxing, well, not a celebrity, I don't even consider myself a celebrity, but I did a boxing thing with Jesse Ryder. Hammered my ass. But I've got to say, actually, a nice guy, Jesse. I actually, you know, as much as you have all that hype with a boxing thing and you talk it up, and actually, a really nice guy. And I think you, you're right, though. I mean, did he fulfill his potential? No, he didn't. Um, did he have some flaws off the field? Absolutely. Were they. With they a product of perhaps his upbringing and his environment? Or did he have enough nous to be able to make those decisions and therefore he's only got himself to blame? I'm not sure with Jesse Ryder. I didn't know him well enough. Don't know him well enough. But I guess from an outside looking in and from a perception point of view, Jesse Ryder I think would be considered by most to be a flawed genius within New Zealand sport. 0800-150811. We've got darts between 9 and 10, so last opportunity to have your say. Love to hear from you. Text us here on the Temper Bedpost text machine, 8833. Sticking with our Delilah theme and songs that have been banned for different reasons, the song you've just heard, believe it or not, Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight, seemingly harmless. It was banned on two separate occasions, the first in... 1991 after the BBC again forbid 67 songs from airplay due to their perceived connection to the war occurring in the Persian Gulf. The second time was in 2001 where clear channel communications presented 162 songs from the airways after the 9-11 tax. Who makes these dumbass decisions for me? Like seriously? Oh, I listened to In the Air Tonight from Phil Collins... And I want to go to war. I want to go and shoot somebody. I want to go and beat my neighbour up. No, I don't. I want to go and hold a pretty girl by the hand and look into her eyes and... Romance her. Woo her. Who are these people? And the scary thing is it's getting worse. It's real easy, eh? Have a radio station in Freakwit and say, we are gangster, we have bad language, or hard rock, or whatever it is. We're a bloke station, we target men, this is who we are. We've warned you before you get on, we consider ourselves to be maybe an R18 station. Make it well known. And get on with it. But even in those situations, you'll get somebody coming out going, oh, we can't have this. Who still just won't read the fine print. You don't have to listen to it. Anyway, what will be the first song here in New Zealand that will end up getting banned? Because the lyrics have upset somebody. Somebody who is considered to be... Somebody who is considered to be woke. Give me, let me give you the another definition that I got today of woke. The reason why we're having the freedom of speech discussion. Why society is slowly breaking down. Woke. A state of awareness only achieved by those dumb enough to find injustice in everything except their own behaviour. Ain't that the truth? Uh, we're going to talk darts. So... Ben Francis is going to talk the darts. The Oki. The Oki's the little part 
on the floor that you place your foot behind before you throw the darts if you're wondering what the oki is. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought I knew my sport. I didn't know what the oki was, but that's the oki. And that's coming up after 9 o'clock, between 9 and 10, and then we'll be back after 10. So if you want to learn something about darts, just want to learn something different, something interesting, hang around between 9 and 10 tonight. It's always a good show. I love it when we've got guys who are passionate about a certain sport who do it because they're passionate. And that's the reason they're doing it. Now, two guys that are hosting the show between 9 and 10 are very much that. So, the Oki, darts. Up next, you're listening to SENZ. Don't forget, text the boys, ask your questions. Double eight, double three. Don't be afraid to phone the program 0800 150811.